you're in Seattle, Seattle. And you need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to rodandbouncedown.com. Now here's those boyhood friends, Ron and Dave. I mean, Ron and Delbert. I'm just kidding. Here's Ronna and Donna. (laughs) Hey, you guys. What's going on? And welcome to episode 534 now of the Ron and Don Show. And heck yeah, we are live from the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, we're pretty pumped about this because we just helped a buyer buy a house down toward Tacoma, and we helped a seller sell a house down in Tacoma, and boy, is that market hot, and is it interesting. So, we got a tale to tell, and we will tell it here in about 10 minutes. Also, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Seems like he's in the real estate game as well, but is he about to lose his seat in the Supreme Court as a result of some of the things he didn't disclose. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. And I like to disclose, just coming off my birthday week. And every year now, my son and I do something pretty cool. It's his birthday on April 9th. Mine's a few days after that. We jump on a plane and we go somewhere. And this time, and I haven't been back there in a long time, you guys. It's a very good friend of mine. He got married nine years ago. And then you've heard about us, if you know us, from the radio days of Terrestrial Radio, you know that Ron and I lived in New Orleans during Hurricane Katrina. That hurricane happened on August 29th in the morning hours of 2005, 18 years ago. So I'll share some of those stories with you over the next couple of podcasts. I don't want to do just a podcast on New Orleans, but I do want to tell you that this is the first time that my son has been to New Orleans. And uh, (laughs) he has a lot of things to say about it. They have something down there called the French Quarter Fest. It's between Mardi Gras and it's also between Jazz Fest. And my, my son wrote something about it. In fact, he wrote something to the host, the people that were hosting us. I'm going to read this to you in just a minute because it's going to come right back here to Seattle. It's about Seattle. But, Ron, what do you think of the French Quarter Fest? It's my favorite festival. Every time you turn around New Orleans, there's a festival that's happening. There's not a Fortune 500 company that's really there. So that really that city and that area of the South Without tourism, they would be dead, and it was good to see after 18 years that tourism has come storming back in the Big Easy. You lived there for a little while. You've gone to visit. What do you like? Are you a Jazz Fest guy, a Mardi Gras guy, or a voodoo guy, which typically happens in October around Halloween? Or for me, I like the French Quarter Fest because it's still not too hot in New Orleans and it's not bone-chilling cold like it can be during Mardi Gras. The festival is free. It's right on the banks of the Mississippi. It's local great jazz acts typically and not a lot of people know about it. Yeah, for me, I've learned after you and I lived there for a brief amount of time. Like some people, when they listen to us on the radio, it seems like we lived there for 20 years. It, it wasn't very long that we lived there. For me, I, New Orleans is a city I love to visit. 
Uh, after living there, I learned that this is not my favorite city to live in. And we can get into that if we want to, but it's more of a city I love to travel to. And, and I also found after living there and going through a couple of the cycles that I don't like, um, the gigantic events there. It gets too much for me. There's too many people. Uh, there are many people that go there with the intention of being crazy. And so if you get into, let's, let's say, a Mardi Gras situation and you put half a million people on you know, eight city blocks. That's a million. There's a million people during Mardi Gras. I, I looked into it on Bourbon Street. Just during Mardi Gras, and there's over 200 parades that happens over three weeks. So there's millions of people that go there. But just on Fat Tuesday, there's a million people on Bourbon Street. So that that's too much for me, and I, and I've I've done it. I think that I get it. It's just not for me. Like it, it's for some people, and they absolutely love it, and I know and respect and and care about some of those folks. But it, it, that is not my speed. Um, Jazz Fest, depending on the weather can be great if you're a music person there's rare and this is what ruined bumbershoot for me jazz fest ruined bumbershoot because the lineups they get are so good and so solid that if you buy a, a three-day pass for jazz fest you, you do have to make it out to the the location of bumbershoot is better than the location of jazz fest so being at the seattle center and all the different types of venues that you have right there so just for the venues and the location and the setting, I like Bumbershoot, but their lineups just pale in comparison. So Jazz Fest is at the old horse track, and it's in the infield of this giant horse track where they still will run horses part of the year. And so if it's raining, it's going to be muddy. If it's really hot, it's going to be really hot once you pack all those people in. But having said that, if you know what to prepare for, then you have your sunscreen and you have your uh, water and you've, you've planned it outright you can see one marquee act after the next all day long especially in the evening hours and then you can go from a friday to a saturday to a sunday and and sometimes see the biggest acts in the world back to back to back so if you're a real music concert fan um it's incredible and then you infill it with people on that second tier that are still major stars. Yeah. They're just not headline jazz fest stars. And so I, I found it to be almost frustratingly packed. We're going to be like, ah, there's three different acts that I want to see at five o'clock. And I can't see all of them because there are different parts of the show. And so the jazz fest is really good. Similar at voodoo fest, which is more modern rock uh, and more um, modern acts. And so, yeah, that's a good festival as well. But for me, I liked um, the smaller festivals. I like French Quarter Fest because it's more about food and community yeah. and local right. music and blues artists and jazz artists. And you can do it on foot. Uh, you can go down by the water and then get away from it. So it, it to me, it had places to retreat to yeah. where the other ones don't have a place to retreat yeah. to. This is, and, and everyone needs to know that Bourbon Street goes right down the middle of the French Quarter. The French Quarter houses about 3,000 people, lots of duplexes, and then, of course, lots of T-shirt shops, now strip clubs, but still a lot of great music down there, especially when you get over the Marigny. You've probably heard of the Treme before, some of the neighborhoods around it. You can take a streetcar there. The French Quarter Fest is right on the banks of the Mississippi. The weather is 
perfect. The weather was great. It's typically in the 70s, which it was. You get any hotter 80s, 90s like it does for Chavs Fest, and then you add the humidity on top of that. First thing my son said, we got home yesterday, and it was pouring rain, and he stepped out into the rain, and we'd been flying all night. And he just opened up his arms and he goes, Daddy, it is good. He still calls me Daddy when no one's around, even though he just turned 13. He goes, Daddy, it is good to be back in the rainy skies of Seattle. And and in fact, we went to, to grab some pizza before he took a nap. I couldn't get him to put his put his jacket or his sweatshirt on. It's, it's like it, being cool and Well, because he was born here. And he's like, man, I am a Pacific Northwest baby. But this is what he wrote. And I took this, and I asked him if it'd be okay to share with you guys, and he said it would be okay. And in the South, there is something there. There is something about Southern hospitality. The people that we went to see, my good friend Mike, who I rode Katrina out with, is a friend to me like I'm a friend with Ron. He's a very, very good, close friend. And then his wife, Jennifer, they're two attorneys that live down there. But boy, they have this amazing kind of McMansion that was built in the 50s. I think they have five or six bedrooms upstairs. They have a lot of people that come for the festivals. He's a phenomenal cook. He's a great chef. She is as well. And and it just they were always concerned about what are you guys doing today? They took a day off from work to take us to the festival. Uh, he didn't want me to necessarily rent a car. They would drive us around. When we go to the gym, uh, we didn't have to Uber much, wherever we wanted to go. They really felt it was wonderful to uh, show off some of the Northwest cuisine down there. I ate some things I've never had before. Uh, and in fact, someone on the wait staff pinned a dollar bill to myself. Also, we pinned a dollar bill to my son because that's what you do when it's your birthday. And my son could not believe that when he walked around that people down there were saying happy birthday and handed him a dollar. If you did that all day, one of the friends I was with said, you can make $500 on your <laughs> birthday, right? So, and, and also, we, we got some crispy maple bacon. I don't know if you've had, I've had the bacon, bacon at Elizabeth's or you've eaten any of the Paul boys that are at Katie's place. Uh, but we ate really, really well when we were down there. The incredible thing is that we did so much walking. If you do 10,000 steps a day, you're doing about five miles. We did 20,000 steps a day. I actually lost two pounds. I ate whatever I wanted. And we still, my son and I was really into working out. So we went and we worked out. Um, and I actually ended up losing two pounds while I was down. Yeah, I'll do that sometimes when I travel and I'm walking 10, 15 yeah, miles you, a day. You, you walk a lot. You, you're, you're, you're quite the urban walker. Anyway, this is what he wrote. In, in the South, they have all they ask is that you sign their guest book. And there was a guest book in my room, and there's a guest book in my son's room. And this is what he wrote April 15th, 2023. And, 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 I hope you – I think there's some wisdom in this, and maybe I think there's wisdom in it just because he's my kid, but don't dismiss what he's saying and the way that he says it because I think there's a message in here for all of us. Uh, he said, uh, dear Uncle Mike and Aunt Jenna – in the South, you're an uncle and an aunt, right? You're either a Mr. or a Miss, Mrs. or your uncle and aunt. Dear Uncle Mike and Jennifer, thank you so much for letting me stay here. I really appreciate you guys letting us be here all together. I know that I certainly haven't shown it on account of me being not always on my game all the time. And sometimes I act mopey. It's different because in Seattle, people are mopey all the time. Wow. 
He said, so I'm used to it. It's a lot different from the South. Anyways, even though we're leaving and I go back to school tomorrow, we will definitely come back to New Orleans. We would also love it if you came to Seattle with love. And then he signed his name. And our host down there took us to a Pelican game. We had great seats. We got to watch a playoff game. We went to the World War II Museum. We went to one of these festivals. We went to great restaurants. And again, their hospitality was completely, as the kids say, off the chain. When I lived in Dallas, there really is something to, to Southern hospitality. Even growing up in New Mexico, they call it familia or family. Being treated like you're part of someone's family in Hispanic culture, Mexican culture. You really feel that. I, I felt that in New Mexico. When I, was, when, I, when I was born in Chicago and I go back to see my family, same thing. And, and I think when people say they love Chicago, what do you love about Chicago? Because you don't love the mountains there. You don't love the skiing there. You typically don't love the hiking there. You know what people love about Chicago? It's people love the people there. It does feel different in Chicago, in Dallas. We've lived in Phoenix, L.A., San Francisco. The more west you come, the more west you come. I didn't feel the hospitality when I lived in L.A. I didn't feel the hospitality when I lived in San Francisco. Uh, I didn't even feel it that much when we lived in Phoenix. And I... And I don't feel a lot of it here in Seattle. I try to express that. Ron, what is your feeling? And is it more, because sometimes when you're on vacation, we're just more extroverted. You're paying attention. You're out of your element. We had a, a gentleman come up to us in the gym, and he saw my son working out. And he said, how do I get my son to do that? And his name was Connor, and his son's name was Tristan, and he began to have this conversation with us. He was blown away at the amount of people that would come up to us, some of them inebriated and altered in altered states, some of them not. But the Southern hospitality, he was wondering, how do we bring that back to Seattle? And... Is Seattle mopey? Uh, I don't. I don't know if you do because this this took me a while for it to dawn on me. And even when you were talking about this, and uh, you go back to how those cities were formed and what their original personality was, and it wasn't until I traveled to some of the Nordic countries, which is where what most people in Seattle, especially this part of Seattle where you and I live, it was mostly people from which countries? From Sweden, from Denmark from uh scandinavia they're scandinavian countries and you know the swedish cultural center is here and we have a nordic museum that i went to for the first time over in fremont and so all of the boating and, and history comes from a part of the world and when i traveled to that part of the world i was like oh this makes complete sense because if you walk through the streets of stockholm or you walk through the streets of copenhagen um, the vibe is almost identical to Seattle. Wow. People are interesting. Are polite. Yeah. They are cordial. They um, are very hospitable in the sense of like they will say hello and welcome or whatever, but they're not gregarious at all. Now you think about, you mentioned New Orleans. What, what's the history of that? Caribbean. African, wow. French, yes, uh, and then it's a the, mixture of the Creole, Span the, the, the Spanish. Spanish. The Spanish. Of you course. talk about uh, Dallas. Dallas has a, a Latin influence. It has a cowboy influence. The Midwest. Where are those folks from? There, I, I don't believe they're from Germany, uh, Poland. 
Um, in the Midwest? Help me out. Germany, lots, lot, Poland. L- lots of Irish. Irish. Lots of Greek. Lots of Greek. Greek. You, you have a lot of UK Dutch, people. You certainly have the Dutch there and, as well. And so when I'm thinking about this, it's like I think the personality of the city might be set in and a I way. should say lots of African Americans came up from the South right. during World War II to build the war machine. They're the ones that built the 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 bombers and the factories up in Detroit. So so in a lot of people in Detroit, uh certain part of the Chicago and, and So too. I haven't been through Africa much, but like when I went to Mexico City, I was like, oh, this reminds me some of parts of Albuquerque. It reminds me of parts of Texas. When I go to New Orleans uh, you and I have been to France. There are parts of France that you feel. There's parts of the Caribbean that you feel. It's a blend of all that stuff. Uh, and so I, I give Seattle a little bit of a break because it, it, the personality was set by the people that came from a country that that's what their personality was. And I think it's just remains that you can still find if you meet someone here from the midwest in seattle or you meet someone that's latin or you meet someone that's caribbean you get a different vibe from them immediately but i think the city itself uh feels like stockholm or copenhagen yeah yeah and you have to admit when you reach out here people always reach back they do when i reach out to my neighbor I, i i came back and i heard my son say that and i said you know what i'm gonna plan a little neighborhood gathering and I started to do that today with some of my neighbors, and they were all about it. They were all about it. We all have kids that are around the same age, and we never just gotten together. And after I read what he wrote, I'm like, I need to be a better neighbor. He and I are going to go to the gym a little bit later. I'm going to try to do what I was doing. Like, I was talking to a lot of people in the in the gym in New Orleans. I typically don't do that. And, and he's with me. So I'm going to try to do a better job because a lot of times I just go to the gym. I put my headphones on. I don't want to be bothered. Uh, it's okay to be bothered. It's okay to talk to people. It's okay to have have those connections. And I think sometimes when we sit here and we find ourselves, you know, on Queen Anne Mountain or Capitol Hill, specifically in Seattle, even on the east side, what what I felt in New Orleans, I have to say, I feel when I go to Pierce County. I do. I feel it in Snohomish. I feel when you get out into the rural areas that people do a better job at being more neighborly. And uh, so I'm going to challenge myself to do that and make sure that I don't fall in the trap of either being or appearing to be mopey. We'll see you on the other side of this. And don't be mopey, Seattle. And let those good times roll. Thanks to Uncle Mike. And Aunt Jennifer in New Orleans, Louisiana, we'll see you in a couple weeks as we return the favor. Again, see you on the other side of this. Oh, man, can you feel it? Spring is in the air, and that's why Les Schwab is doing the Les Schwab Spring Tire Sale. But do you know they also do other services there, from brakes and alignments to steering and suspension? Les Schwab has the expertise to help you keep you safe on the road. And right now, during that Les Schwab Spring Tire Sale, you can save up to $175 when you buy four select tires with Les Schwab Financing. Best of all, when you buy your tires at Les Schwab, you also get their best tire value promise. That includes free flat repairs. I've done this. I've taken my car when I had a flat and they they fixed it absolutely free. Free rotation, free rebalancing, and more. Schedule an appointment right now at LesSchwab.com or you can just stop by any of the locations here within the sound of my voice. That's Les Schwab, where they've been doing the right thing since 1952. Thanks, Les Schwab. 
Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's Don here with my good friend, Ron. You may have heard of us. Anyway, you probably haven't heard of her, Ron. We have a brand new team member, Team Ron and Don Real Estate, right? Yeah, her name is Mara, and Mara just left one of the big tech firms, uh, and now she's doing real estate. Mara, what was it like dealing with folks in tech and specifically with housing in Seattle? Yeah, the housing market in Seattle can be a little bit tricky. Um, Seattle has a lot of very different and great neighborhoods. So having somebody that can help you find the right neighborhood for you and what you like to do um, is really important when coming to a new city, especially when you're trying to meet people who have similar interests or are close to the activities that you like. Um, So what I want you to do is if you are, uh, maybe you're not in tech or not moving around, if you know someone who is or their kid is or they're trying to leapfrog from tech company to tech company, Mara's on our team now. She's an expert in this specific area. So if you would like to do a sit down with us and meet her, you can go to ronandonsitdown.com. That's ronandonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. Don't forget. We are very busy right now. The reason we're busy, we're not good realtors, we're great realtors. And the reason we are great realtors is because of you. You mean everything to us. And we fight and go to war on your behalf. I am not here to be kind and nice to other realtors. I'm here to take a deal down. I'm here to get you the very best deal that I can. And guess what? We just pulled off an incredible, an incredible buy and an incredible sale in Tacoma. We'll tell you about the sale a little bit later because we went way over. We went way over in a market. We went way over in a market. We went a hundred grand over in a market on a home that we were selling. So I'm going to tell you more about that in the next episode of the Ron and Don Show. But Ron, let's talk about this buy. And I want to be very careful here because when we talk about our clients, sometimes agents don't want to talk about their clients because they're protecting them, but they also want to make sure that there's not another agent that's going to go out there and scoop them up, right? I'm not concerned about that. When people pick us, they pick us. A lot of times it's people that are connected to us in the Ron and Don Nation through uh, the trust that we've built together doing Cause Radio. And now here we are in the real estate market and Ron. We always tell people, if you're going on the journey, maybe we talked to a year ago and maybe the transaction happens a year or 18 months later. That's exactly what happened here. And they also say, be careful when you travel, because whenever you travel, that's when real estate takes off. And that's exactly what happened to me. So I appreciate you and Mara holding it down. Talk to us a little bit, though about this buy and talk to us a little bit about our buyer because it's not like we just talked to them last week. This has been, well, really over a year in the making, I think, right? I think it's almost two years in the making. And that's why I always say like, Hey, whatever your time, whatever you think your timeline is, it's never too early to have that first meeting uh, where we get together, we do a run and on sit down, we can sort of see what your goals are. And this particular client, um, Her goal was like she wanted to have an income-producing property, so a property that would have two doors and have some budget constraints like everybody does. And so back in the day, we met with her one time, answered all her questions, did some preliminary work, and then life just happened. Some stuff went down, it happened with her life, and things were moving around a little bit, uh, personal issues, whatever. And so she popped up again. 
Um, and, and we sort of stayed in touch and listened to the podcast and she'd get the Ron, Ron and Don nation news. And so sort of, you know, every once in a while we would cross paths and say hi, and then came back around. I was like, okay, I think I'm ready now. And that's always an interesting thing to me. Sometimes it takes really long. We had another client that we're working with right now who thought it was going to be really long. And then once we started, now it's going to become short Yeah, because it, depending on the person, you might think, oh, I'm not really ready. And you're right. You're not really ready. And then it, it takes you a while to get there. Other people think they're not really ready. And then once you start, they go, oh, actually, I am really ready. Yeah. And I remember in, in speaking with, with her, the important thing was, is that her partner was included in this process. And then there were some things that she had to do. She had to take some time and get some things in order. But here's what connected. Here's what connected the, this piece of real estate for her. She said, you know what I want to do? I want to do what Don did. I want to be a house hacker. I want there to be some kind of potential on the property to create a second door because then I know that second door, maybe not initially, but as I pay down the debt on that house and the house becomes more valuable, at some point, that second door on the property, whether it be a basement apartment, which is something we call an ADU, it's attached, right, you guys? An attached dwelling unit. Maybe it's detached. A detached accessory dwelling unit is what we call that here in Seattle. You've heard dadus, daydus, right? So when you, what if you had both though? What if you had three doors on a piece of property? Because that's what I like to do. It takes time to do that. I'm sitting on a piece of property. It's taken 12 years to get all three doors going. But guess what? I have a door now that pays for the door that I live behind. And then I have another door that causes this property to cash flow by thousands of dollars. But it takes time to do that. I've lived on the property. But by living on the property, and she and her partner are going to live on this property, the idea for them is, how can I add a second door? I'm not going to be in a rush. I'm buying this as a primary. So if I want to, I can put less money down and then take some of that other money to develop a second door. And then I can start renting out that second door to pay for my first door. That's the way to think about property. And you know what? When, when there's a lot of people that have this mentality and, and I talk to my little boy about this a lot. When you get older, they start thinking about the car their family never had. I'm going to get that Mercedes. I'm going to get that three series uh, BMW because I deserve it. I'm going to get a Tesla one day because I've worked hard and I deserve it. But guess what? You didn't go out and buy an asset. You went out and bought a liability because the moment you drive that Tesla or that BMW typically off the lot, COVID changed things for a little bit, but it's all going back to normal now. As soon as you drive that thing off the lot, it depreciates in value. And also for a lot of us, unless you own a business and that's your business car, there's no tax advantage to that. But if you say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to drive an old car. I drive, I'm, I'm a multimillionaire, you guys. I drive an old car. I drive a nine, I think it's almost nine years old now. I drive an old forerunner because anytime I get a little bit of money, I want to put it in the marketplace. Maybe I want to put it on Wall Street. 
because I want to diversify, or maybe I want to buy another property on Main Street. And now, guess what I have? I have an asset that's going to appreciate. I have an asset that if it doesn't cash flow, one day it's going to cash flow. I also have an asset where I get lots of tax benefits as a result. And I have an asset that's just going to be worth more money than it is five and 10 years from now. A car, a boat, a jet ski, rent those damn things, right? Rent them. But if you're going to own something and it's going to own you, it might as well be an asset in real estate or something that you can invest in even on Wall Street. But once you sell those stocks and those shares on Wall Street and you cash in, that's it. Money's gone. Buy a piece of real estate, though. It goes up a hundred grand in value. You take that hundred grand out. Now go buy the car or the boat or the thing you wanted. But for me, where I am in my cycle of life, I'm going to turn around and see if I can buy another asset. So think about that. The mentality of people that build wealth are people that go out and they spend their money on assets and not liabilities. That's exactly what our client did right here. I'll give you the final say, Ron, because you got to go shopping with her, and this deal went down when I was out of town. So congratulations to you and our client. This is a big deal right here. Yeah, it is. And uh, the thing that I appreciate about these two is they're they're probably some of the most prepared uh, buyers that we've ever had. Showed up with a clipboard, checklist. Really? Uh, done research. And so as we've gone through the the process, wanted to ask questions, uh, wanted to understand everything. And, and I really, that that's, that's my type of person. I like someone that's like, I don't, I want to understand it. I just don't want to say, yeah, do it. And I'll sign it. It's like, what do the forms mean? What is, what happens if this happens? How do I get to there? How hard is this to do? And so having a checklist and writing stuff down, knowing what you want, defining what you want, and then going out and searching for it has been great. So we have a a couple more steps we got to do. We're on the road to close this house and we're working through and performing on the contract right now, but it, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, and it's interesting to see how stuff is, is starting to get more competitive again. It's definitely not 2019 right now. I don't want 2019. I don't want 2019. I don't either. want 29 for you, 2019 for you, me or anyone. I think all of us would like to see a more, a, a more balanced market, right? But it is, it is heating up again. Yeah. It is heating up for a specific houses in specific neighborhoods in specific conditions. Uh, we are seeing some more action. Definitely. Yeah. Hey, we come back. It was my birthday week. I wrote something called the trains of time as my son and I got to go see the trolleys in the trains of new Orleans. In fact, we went to the trolley house one night. And I put a picture of that up on my Facebook page, Donald Deal on Facebook, if you'd like to see it. I'm going to read what I wrote next. We're going to punt, punt on the Clarence Thomas story, and we'll do that later on in the week. See you in 60 seconds. All right, you guys, we're sitting here with uh, Mitch from Mitch.Loans. And Ron, it's kind of weird. Mitch came in here with a leverage board, and he has a bunch of levers in front of him. What's going on here? That's right, Mitch. First-time homebuyers, I don't know if they understand they're using leveraged money to create wealth. Explain that. That's correct. So let's say on a million-dollar house, you put 20% down. Your investment is $200,000. When people talk about homes going up 20%, that's your home going from 1% to one2 
$1,200,000, right? right? So your investment of $200,000 has turned into $400,000. You're doubling your investment. Your investment didn't go up 20%. Your investment went up 100%. Right. And so when you talk about getting a loan, and even if you did less than that, let's say you put 10% down, your money, your equity is even a greater position because you're able to get into a loan with less than 20%. Absolutely. 100000 has turned into 300000 Right. So when uh, you talk to Mitch and you go to Mitch.loans, explore these options. You're down payment, what the projected increase in the house is going to be, and what your equity position will be down the road. Those are the kind of things that Mitch will walk you through when you do a process with him and you're going to get a loan. So start things off right now at Mitch.loans. That's Mitch.loans. All right, you guys, I think I got the episode wrong. Welcome back to episode 538. And as I said, we're going to punt on the Clarice Thomas story. But let me read this to you. Just had a birthday week. What used to happen is during birthday week, a lot of times that's spring break also. So uh, my boy and I just turned 13. Is that a little boy anymore when you're 13? He's a man. Yeah. He told me when I took him to the Sonics game for his birthday that he's becoming a man. Did he say that? Yeah. Yeah. He is becoming a man. He is becoming a man. I like can't refute it. (laughs) I love that kid, man. I just love the more time I spend with him. I just, I just love him so much. Anyway, uh, our good friend Aunt Jennifer had called one night. We all went out to dinner. She was driving home, and we're in New Orleans. If you are if you live in New Orleans, you don't call it Nolans. You actually call it NOLA. That's what people there call it. And so we're in NOLA, and she said, hey, if you're driving home down St. Charles, stop by. Uh, there's trolley tracks that run up and down St. Charles that go down the French Quarter, and then the trolleys, they, t- they take a lot of the trolleys offline at night. They run a couple. But many of the trolleys, since there's less people, makes sense. It's just like a bus barn. They have a trolley barn. So we went to the trolley barn, and there's two trolleys there. And they just pulled in, and they still had their headlights on. And he walked over in front of those trolleys, and I have a picture of it. It looks like he's about to get run over by two trolleys. But it's such a cool picture. I took it black and white. I put it online if you like to see it, Don O'Neill. And then also, it'll be out in our newsletter this week. So if you don't have the newsletter, all you have to do, how do people get the newsletter? Yeah, just go to ronanddon.com sign up for the nation news yeah and this will be in the nation news this week so it says and i call this uh the trains of time by don o'neill uh good day everyone i had a dream last night and this really happened uh that on the morning of my 56th birthday at least i'm three years ahead of you yeah uh does it blow your mind that i'm 56 it does because <laughs> you seem 76 no, i'm just kidding no it, it, it blows me away every every time i think about it 56 yeah my 56th birthday i looked up and i saw the words blessed man written in the morning clouds of seattle and then the words turned to pictures and i saw a picture of me as a young boy and then i saw a picture of my sweet son and then i saw a picture of our newest family member who's sitting over here right now Charlie the dog, who's four and a half years old now. Can you believe that, Charlie? That is absolutely insane that I am 56 and that Charlie the dog is four and a half. And then I saw more pictures. There are pictures of my mother, pictures of my two sisters, pictures of my brother, pictures of my entire extended family, and even a picture of my late estranged father. And then more pictures of my very, very dear friends like Mr. Ron, Mr. Joe, Mr. Scotty, Mr. Carter, and of course the friend that I rode Katrina out with in New Orleans, uh, Mr. Mike, or who we call Uncle Mike. And then 
believe it or not, I saw a picture of someone that Ron introduced me to that's been, become very important in my life. And that's Dr. Priscilla Wright, who's actually retiring this summer. And then I saw pictures of many of my adventure friends, many of my trail boss friends. That's what I call my friends that I run with. We're trail bosses. Uh, in fact, that's the name of my company, Trail Boss Properties. And then I saw uh, many of my broadcast friends over the years, people like BJ Shea. And I also saw many of you that have allowed us, and specifically me on my birthday, the honor in some small way of being a part of your life, whether it be just in passing and saying hi in a store or as a broadcaster, or as a real estate broker, or as your neighbor, or as your friend. And a simple thank you doesn't seem like enough, but collectively, it's really all I have to offer. And like these trains in New Orleans, time keeps ticking, and the trains of time keep moving, whether we're aboard them or not. And I know the gift of love and time is promised to no man. So today, I'm just grateful for the time that I have had and all the love that I have received. And I'm so appreciative for any time that I have left in this world to come. So I invite all of you to come along. As the great conductor says, all aboard, all aboard, all aboard the train. And here's to all of us taking one more trip together around the sun. Let the good times roll. I won't try to say it in French. Can you say it in French? I don't remember how to say it. Laissez le bon temps rouler, I think is right. Boy, you sound like you're in France. Yeah, and with so much love and respect, Dawn of the Ron and Dawn. Hey, you guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ron and Dawn Show. Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you so much. You you look a day over 57. (laughs) If you need us, everything, whether it be real estate, broadcasting, or you just want to reach out and email, or you would like this newsletter, because again, this is in the newsletter this week, along with the picture of the trains, all you have to do is go to ronanddawn.com or ronanddawnsitdown.com. Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you for the next episode. It's the Ron and Don Show that you're listening to right now. This is the Ron and Don Show only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. (laughs) 